welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for September. Because we're not doing good days of the week. I know it's been like the third or fourth time I've said that, but, you know, some of you are convinced I'm going to go, but it's Tuesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. We're not doing that anymore. It's a new format. We're past episode 200 now. You can't keep doing the same jokes, except for the joke at the end, which I'm not changing because I like it too much. But... That's beside the point. Joining me today, you can go from Earth to space. You can go from space back to Earth. But can you go from Earth to games? We're about to find out. Because joining me is John Bryant. John Bryant is the kind of the head honcho lead designer, man with a plan, with a goal, with a vision, with a dream. And he's bringing us very, very soon a game like no other. Is it a new genre? Potentially it is. Is it exciting? It could be as well. Is it called Masters of Get Town? Yes, it is. Is it a dancing game? It potentially could be, but we'll find out. So, hello, John. How are you? Hello. I'm, uh, if I could audibly smile, I would. <laughs> That's good. Yay! Because <laughs> this has been... Um, now, we've just been talking back and forth. I mean, this hasn't been one of these things that we've been planning for ages. It was just like, I think we've been having a lot of conversations. And then it just went, do you want to just come on the show? And you were like, yes, let's sort out a date. And it just happened. It wasn't like one of these things that like took months and then you cancelled and then I cancelled and then we had to reorganise and then birthdays and Christmases came up and it just got back. It just it just happened. It did. Which, it is, did. which, is, which is glorious. One night the stars um, aligned and... The rest, as they say, is mystery. <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason that we do this, for people that haven't listened to, bef- to us before, thank you for listening. The reason that we do this is because of you listening just now. Because um, we've done enough about us, we've done enough about me. It's all down to you wonderful people who are taking the time to listen to us today. We appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. And the second reason that we do this is because, as we said, uh, John's got a game. John's game's about dice. John's game's about throwing dice. And there's Perspex. My word. It's all (laughs) coming together and sounds fantastic. But before we jump into Masters of Get Down, I always feel like singing, get down, get Mm -hmm. down, get down. But anyway, we want to find out a little bit about could be I searched too. online and there was there was a a song called Masters of Get Town and it was this really cool sort of like Brooklyn funk track. It was amazing. Did you are you considering? Uh, see, this is the thing because then you have to buy licensing to get music. They, they, they seem like cool cats. I'm sure they'd be fine with it. <laughs> I'll call them up. <laughs> what could possibly happen? You want to be down with this game, man? It'd be, it'd be cool. <laughs> Yeah, but then what could happen is that your game could you end up like doing like say you know six or seven digits on on Kickstarter, and then they would be turning up and they'd have letters signed by lawyers, and then you would be having to pay out a lot of money. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby, John? Before we get sidetracked, because I got a feeling I don't know about you, <laughs> potentially, potentially could be a little bit of sidetracking going on. In yep. this episode, I'm just getting, I'm getting the feeling in me, Walter. A few side so, quests here and there, yeah. <laughs> a few dice rolls. 
did he get a six? <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the, we're going to look at the one of the past. We're going to look at the the two fives of the present before we roll <laughs> off into a double six of the future. So do you, nice. Do you know I mean? and, the, and we've just rolled against the other ones, so we just knocked them over. It turned them into a two and a three, so they're now rubbish. <laughs> do you want to tell? You, and everyone's going, "What is he talking about?" They'll, they'll find out. They'll you find don't out. play dice like that. Yeah, Nobody yeah. Plays yeah. dice where you knock them against each other. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby? Yeah, sure. Um, four score and uh, seven years ago. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. When I was when I was a kid, um started off uh with an Atari. Started with video games. That was the first sort of like playing games that I experienced, besides your whole like playground stuff. And um I don't know, I was just hooked with the playability of things, the engagement and um and then my mum, bless her, like Started buying me loads of board games, um, and I had uh, the original Escape from Atlantis. Have you played the, the remake or me the original? Too. I've got. I used to have the original with the plastic. The actual. I'm going to say be controversial, but I'm going to say I preferred the original over the remake. Yes, because they just weren't afraid to be like, "You're you're making your island is sinking. Here is the island." Like. Here is the actual island, and it was molded out of plastic, and the rocks were really big, big rocks, and the the other pieces, the sand was a lovely sand color, and the greenery was a lovely greenery com- color. And do you remember yeah. you had red boats, yeah, with yeah, yeah, proper yeah. sails, oh, and and the people were people, yeah, they were proper people, and then. The, you had the octopus and it was a little octopus and its little arms actually looked like it was sticking out the water because you didn't have whales, you had octopuses or octopi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the and dolphins sh- were the only things that could possibly save you from yes. sharks, sea serpents, all of the above. Like, it was crazy. Was it shark Was it shark heads or did they have shark fins? There was a shark days? fin, to, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try and remember, did they have shark heads as well? I'm going to look up original escape from Atlanta's just let's just kill but yeah did you also have Lost Valley the dinosaur oh, I'm so glad you said that yes yes <laughs> exactly the same thing like games without borders it's literally like here's a volcano made of plastic you're actually placing the lava tokens it and... was actually oh. I know and it was actually that rubbish the the kind of the the scenery was that rubbish plastic that if you didn't look out look look after it, it ended up cracking in the corners. And I don't think I've ever seen an original Lost Valley of the Dinosaurs. Oh man, that didn't have that sadly that corner kind of plastic kind of cracking. Yeah, however, yeah, yeah. All however, I've got left is a a sandwich bag with the dinosaurs in it, and I'm like, oh god, where's the rest? Like just. <laughs> Mouldy in a cupboard somewhere, sad, oh, and alone. Oh. Almost wished that you could actually eat the lava sometimes. I yes. must admit, as a younger lad, oh, I, bless taste, you. I tasted it. Well, you got to think though that, like, legs. having games with that much theme and that much attention to detail back then, and comparing them to the video games of the time, where like you've got like, oh, Blockman, this Blockman is jumping, <laughs> this Blockman is shooting. And like, oh, everyone put the E.T. game. And it's like, here's E.T. His moves are 
head up, head down. That's it. Like whoopee. It was actually just. It was just a. It was just an actual disgrace. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. the thing. I mean, that was the thing when it was the spectrum. Yeah, and I remember yeah. some. I remember somebody telling me about. Have you played Jet Set Willy? I was like, Oh yes, stay away. Um, but then he went, No, you, you won't believe this game. You actually need to. Ex- you explore a mansion. Explore yeah. a mansion. And I was like, What? Yeah, you explore a mansion and you collect glasses. <laughs> and then what happens? And then at the end, if you die, a really big foot comes down and squishes you, and you're just like. I need to see this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I saw that game. I've never been so disappointed. Oh man! In, in in my life, I think with what it was built up in my head, I thought it would be an awful lot more um, colourful. There was another game at the time. Oh, colourful! I think it was really. It was like yeah, so vivid okay. of all the rainbow colours. It was crazy. Dynamite, Dynamite Dan was better. Yeah. Dynamite Dan was better. I hate to tell you, and also Jet Set Willy. It was really difficult to complete, but Jet Set Willy Two was brilliant because then it was Jet Set Willy in space. Oh, oh God! Do you remember how you? Do you remember how you got to the spaceship? No. Do tell. And there was the room that was called. I must perform a quicker fleek, <laughs> and you had to go up. You had to go up the rope, oh, and then you got into the spaceship that way. It was just. Amazing. <sighs> Welcome to Nostalgia Hour on We Are Not Wizards, where me and John <laughs> take you on a journey of what we used to do when we were very, very young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um, there was a turning point for me. Like, I think that a decision came in my head. Like, uh, I'd got a Commodore sixty four, and I was like, "Oh, games on tape. This is great." Um, but I got this book, and it was like. You can program an entire roleplay game. And I look through the game and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, this looks cool. These little block men touching these weapons and attacking things. But it was like, you just had to copy like a hundred pages of code. And at that point, I was like, I'm more the look of it than <laughs> the maths of it. And like, from that point on, it was just kind of like art all the way for me, I think. I mm. think that, um, yeah. I, I kind of looked at that. I think I remember that my my dad taking the time to like spend. I think it was like at that time it must have been about three or four days, maybe. And you couldn't. This is the thing. You couldn't really save it. Yeah. At the time, you actually just needed to keep on going. So he must have spent a weekend, <laughs> kind of doing this thing and then going back and testing it and. And kind of making sure it all worked. And at the end of the day, the game was rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that effort for oh, such all that return. effort just for just nothing at all, nothing at all. Nothing and at nowadays all. you've got like Little Big Planet, where you play a platform game, you collect all the items they use to make the entire game, and then you mm. can just stick it together at the end in a sort of a sandbox thing. Like that's oh, amazing. The ability for that sort of creation is good and. Again, I think that's what drove me towards wanting to, I don't know, create something, you know? Are you always been driven by the creative stuff? Were you always the kid that kind of took the games or... I mean, were you the happiest when somebody kind of like gave you a box of Star Wars toys 
and a couple of cardboard boxes and some sellotape and said, right, okay, um, we can't give you the Millennium Falcon, go ahead and make one yourself. And you would be that person that would be doing that, kind of creating stuff and things like that as you went along for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'd have... Ours was more like He-Man, Brainstar, Thundercats. Wow. All those sort of things. And it would be more like making castles. Because, Christ, like, Castle Grayskull was so expensive. Castle Grayskull. So expensive. I I can't remember how much it was, but I I think... um, I think we were banned from getting He-Man because I think at the time, I think a Star Wars figure was about £1.87. Yeah. And that was when you could price things with a 7 on the end. Yeah, of course. People wouldn't look at you funny because £1.87, that was a decent price to price a thing. Amazing. Let's just get in there. You know, it was just, you know, fantastic. And uh, But He-Man, I think they were about six five or six pound each i remember looking at them and going it's 4.99 and being standing there with my school friends kind of looking at it and going this that is incredible that is a small fortune as a boy who's maybe getting a pound a week pocket money or not even that that was a small fortune so i never kind of collected the but castle grayskull i think it was (sighs) It was just phenomenally huge amounts of money, yep. which was ridiculous. Did you stick with the board games? I mean, did you did you fly off going through the land of computer games, which is what a lot of people... Because let's face it, I'm guessing, you know, that at your t- when your time you were growing up, it wasn't the case that we did. We had our settlers of Catan and stuff like that. Did you kind of stick with the consoles and, and the computers and stick with that before discovering board games at a later date? Is that kind of where you went, or? Well, it was kind of bits and bobs, really. I mean, I was kind of a Nintendo fan, so eventually got a NES and a Super mm. NES and played through those. But at the same time, yeah. we played the games hero quest came out so we got that and all the expansions and things um and then when i went to art college i met my friend Vinny, and um mm. he he went on to start his own like uh little board game selling stall oh, and right, um okay. like he had a one in the market in a local town and was playing like demo games so i'd kind of help him out play the games on the stand and when that developed into a business and we were kind of like invested in like helping him, then mm-hmm. we picked up Warhammer, um, wow. and like more time, the old, yeah. um, th- games like that. And, um, that's where we started with war games. And then eventually I came back from uni after not really playing with the guys for like four years and, um, mm. they were playing card games and we started with Yu-Gi-Oh! went on to magic and yeah, it was crazy. Did you? I mean, did you? Did you? Did you have your own copy of Hero Quest? Oh God, yes. Do you still have your own copy of Hero Quest? My mum told me that she may have seen it in the storage in our um, storage room, actually, at, at her place. Really? That's very exciting. The, did you have the expansions as well, or were you just a kind of a vanilla? Type oh person? no, I went all the way. I had like, did you? Uh, oh, the the worst thing that happened. Like, my mm-hmm. Hero Quest tragedy was, um, I was using some new paints and they were, um, like enamel based paints. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh God, like, 
I've accidentally spilt some and filled in all the details with this paint. And I was like, okay, so what do you get? What, how do I clean the brushes? White spirit. So I took one of the four wizards from the wizard expansion and held it in this white spirit and sort of wiggled it around. And the oh god, the one. Yeah. yeah, and when it came out, like it was like the Toxic Crusaders' face had melted, all the plastic. <laughs> I was like, "What have I done?" <laughs> I was so bad, so bad. It's just that's the kind of trap. I mean, for some people, you'd be like, "That's so was a bit bit at the time." Yeah, when and you didn't even know at the time that that was going to be because they weren't really, really well distributed. They kind of got a good run, and HeroQuest had a really, really good run. Mm. But as soon as they had finished with HeroQuest, and I think Games Workshop kind of used it as a doorway to say, right, guys, you've had your um, HeroQuest fun. Let's move yeah. you on to Advanced HeroQuest. And then from Advanced HeroQuest, it was like, well, let's move you on to see if we can get you involved in the kind of the Warhammer kind of stuff as well. So it was almost like a gateway thing. I still see... Um, Copies of those games going for stupid money, kind oh, of on eBay. It's just such a fun, but it was so much fun. Incredibly hard, but also kind of an incredibly, incredibly fun. Oh, so, yeah. um, Vinny's got weren't... Vinny's got two copies on the shelf in his back room, like mint condition, but they're like eighty pounds each. And I'm like, I'll check my storeroom first. Like, I can't be doing that. Exactly. And um, because and then I, it, would you would you play it though if you got it again? That's the thing. Would you I get would. out and play it? Yeah. Honestly, like even like nostalgia at first, but then I don't know. Like if you see roll and move as an obstacle to overcome rather than an inconvenience, like the challenge goes off the off the chain. It's amazing. <laughs> I played it. I played it about six months ago. I'll and. be honest with you. It's really tricky. It's really difficult. It's a difficult game. It's not an easy game. It is not the starter set. It yeah. was. It's actually. Do you know what? It's not. It's less forgiving than I would even say your thing like your dungeon sagas yeah. of this world, because um, there's no kind of cotton candy with it. It's <laughs> like you're going into a room and you're fighting, and unless you've gone ahead and searched about and got lots and lots of equipment. You're gonna die. You're gonna have a bad time. Is it not so like it's, it's Dark Souls, but without the constant grinding? Like, you know, the board uh, game. That sort of like. Yeah, I would. Do you know what? It's more simple than the Dark Souls board game. And yeah, yeah. Less I think it's just the case. The yeah, I think it's just that the, the kind of um, in Hero Quest, the kind of your stack, everything stacked against you from the beginning, mm. and. Um, but if you take your time, you can beat it, mm. and it's a kind of a good fun. But it's worthwhile. Oh, yeah, it's definitely worthwhile looking at. Definitely worthwhile looking at. Knowing the shortcuts Wait. as well. Just one more thing, like before we leave Hero Quest forever. Um, there was a uh, one of the spoiler alerts to everyone. Sorry. Uh, I think it's the second mission in the quest where it's like search for you lag, and it's this like orc boss. Uh, we played it to the point where I found out if you start as the wizard, you get two spell mm. cards. So mm. the first spell card, you use the genie. And what the genie can do is reveal the contents of any room on the board. Yeah. So if this is the fourth or fifth time you've played this mission, you know which room he, the boss is in. So <laughs> you're like, oh, uh, what's this room? Oh, there's the boss. And then you go <laughs> flames of wrath on your next turn. 
A flaming fire <laughs> traces around the dungeon and seeks out your target as long as the miniature is visible. He's dead. Turn two. Next mission. This <laughs> ways around That's these absolutely things. fantastic. <laughs> That's just, that is just like the ultimate hero quest hack. <laughs> the best thing about hero quest is the flames of wrath. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, um, what you've been playing recently, obviously apart from your own game, are you <coughs> getting anything kind of to the table? Have you had time to get anything to the table? Or um, We've been playing, well, I've been playing a lot of Star Realms because like wherever I am, like in the car waiting for anything, it's just you can play it easily on the app. Um, but I've been teaching my friends with the, with the, with the real world version. I, I don't know. What's the term for like? The non-digital version. Is it the real version? The analog version? Analog. There we go. Okay, so yeah. with the analog card game. And th- they've been loving it. And, like, I had an idea. The, the weird thing is, like, as I myself encounter new mechanics in the games that I buy or watch videos of or play, like, it gives me ideas for other games. So I'm, like, showing all my playtest group, like, here try this game out and then when they get it and love it then i'm like right now i'm gonna have some grueling testing for you to do for months based on this format (laughs) (laughs) i i can't i find it really difficult to go back to original card based star realms because of all the calculations getting done for you kind of automatically and stuff like that yeah especially you have to develop a house rule system of like how you do things I know, and it can just be a little bit complicated. It's really funny because of because I was like, out of all the games that I play, most of the time, Star Realms is the game that I play pretty much most of the time. I've always kind of got two, at least two or three kind of games mm. kind of going on at the go, and it's incredibly. If you haven't played it, then just play it and and um it's really really kind of it's kind of like you've got like about three or four different levels where you you're kind of learning you kind of your first time you're learning is just oh right okay i should be putting i should be getting all the factions together the second time i'm going to be playing i should actually be maybe having one or two factions and then it's like oh the next level is i need to be getting rid of all my rubbish cards as quickly as i can yeah what what does scrapping a card do like oh okay exactly yeah exactly and then you get down to the fourth level which is like well i know which individual cards of each faction i should be having in my hand to kind of optimize my kind of my overall strategy Mm. and it's like i'm not near there but i'm kind of getting there i can kind of recognize but it's still very random but it's also incredibly kind of good good fun but i the analog version stays on the shelf and even if i'm playing like um i'll play the pass the pass around kind of version of the app so that i can play other people and just kind of pass it pass it around have you um looked at the other versions of the realms games like hero realms or or anything like that or have you stuck solely with kind of star realms just now well i was thinking of like um picking up a copy of that for my um my D sort of it's a, a right. dming couple right, so i was okay. thinking of getting the more the more fantasy based one and giving it to them 
I wouldn't mention any names, but they by now they already know who they are and what they're getting for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> You've just ruined it. We have to put a spoiler if we can man if uh, if if you two can just not bother um, listening to the <laughs> podcast until the twenty seventh of December, and I'd be like, but why, John? <laughs> but you've been telling us about going on this podcast for ages. And it's like, well, actually, I've decided that um, you should really be savouring it and you should be listening to it round about the 26th or the 27th of December and not before. Or I, I, could put the li- don't mind. I could put the link to the podcast written in the Christmas card and we're like, there you go. Done. <laughs> just just copy and paste it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just imagine, by the time that'll happen, you'll be able to do that anyway. You'll be able to take a photograph of text and you'll be able to use it as a link. I'm sure you can do that already. It's just kind oh, of yeah. how these kind of things happen. What about um, other games? Is there any other games that you're kind of playing? At the moment, um, my kids are really into these. We do a lot of like car, boot, car booting. Mm-hmm. And um, so we picked up loads of really classic games. Well, I say classic, not in professional terms but in like just funny terms uh, yeah. we've, we've got um, Shrek's Bug Bounce where it's basically a giant <laughs> Shrek head that rotates and opens its mouth and each player has a catapult to flick these little slugs into its mouth Yeah, and like you can like land in its eyeballs and stuff um, we picked up Don't Rock the Boat which is um, a penguin pirate ship balancing game and like I'm surprised how good my kids are. Like, I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and like yeah. the first time I was like, "Oh, this is, don't go too far because it will fall over," and they did it. And then they was like, "Ah!" And then they just start like they're balancing things, hooking penguins on penguins, and I'm like, "What are you doing, kids? This is crazy." <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. I was playing um, Buckaroo. Ah, oh, yes. But yeah. they don't seem to make. They don't seem to make the mule. That sensitive now. You don't. You seem to be able to. I've played a couple of times, and we've just loaded the whole thing up, and then and then I sat on it. Still didn't. Still <laughs> didn't do anything. In fact, ended up a bit flatter. Oh man! Honest. But um, yeah, it didn't even kind of trigger. So it's like one of these things. Like the tension kind of goes after your fourth game, mm. and you've loaded up the mule like three times before, and just like I'm just throwing the dynamite on and. There's the shovel. Yeah, you've got the, the really bucket. heavy bucket, and you're just like, I don't know, I'm going to hook it. I'm just going <laughs> to drop just, it on, and it's just I'm not just working. Like dropping it from a height on top of it and just seeing if I can get some kind of reaction from you, if you don't mind, <laughs> please. We got um, um we got Pop-Up Pirate from the car boot, and um, I was like, oh, kids, you're going to love this game. It's going to jump out of the barrel. You'll love it. Put the pirate in, and they put all the swords in, only to realize that it's broken. Like, and it was just like, it was nothing. So they all they've learned is like, stabbing pirates should be fun or something. <laughs> if you stabbed your pirate today, I think uh, we got, what did we get a Darth Vader one oh. for Christmas? Wow. He it was like a little it, like... kind of, and you're just like, it was just a, it was like a black plastic barrel. So it oh, wasn't okay. really Star Wars Day up, but you had Vader on the top, and you just like to take these lightsabers and just prod it oh, into man. him. They should have and done like a Death Star, and you poke uh, X-Wings into it? You would have thought. Yeah. But obviously they had 
lots of black plastic hanging about <laughs> and what they were meant to do, let's kind of like get a Darth Vader kind of realm on, which is always incredibly kind of, as it turned out, it was quite dull. Yeah. Um, the only games I've been, a lot of games I've been playing is only um, lots of dexterity games because my son is, um, my middle son, he's at the age where he's just like, thrashing me at any game possible and then just laughing in my face and then you know making <laughs> me cry i've still oh. got time to kind of dominate the youngest one so we're playing games like um i think it's called it's called terror in meeple city now but yeah. back then it was called rampage and it was oh. when you were kind of like doing you know the dinosaur you're basically setting up the little cities with the meeples and then there's like layers of cardboard yeah and then you're like kind of dropping the dinosaurs and Rocking, knocking over the buildings and generally eating all the people and it's incredibly good fun. Either that we're playing um, catacombs. Anything oh, nice. catacombs related. I so want to try that. It's such a good game. You can play catacombs. We play either catacombs and castles or catacombs conquest because he's got... I mean, obviously we make the rules easier. Yeah. But, um, it's all kind of good. It's all kind of good fun, but that's the thing you I mean, do, you... isn't it? As a parent, like you'll you'll downgrade the rules, like or you'll change the rules so that the kids you you can see where the fun's going to be with the with the pirate penguin game, for instance. Like the rules are, as soon as the tip the ship falls over, the game's over. But like it comes with like eighteen penguins, so if a kid knocks it over in the first round, it's like, well, that's the game, kids. You can't do that. Yeah, You've no. got to like no. Come up with some death-defying thing where they get bonus points for crazy hookings and things, and or an extra life, or yeah. what I did in cat. What we did in catacombs is you've got your four lives, but we said right, the bigger guys they take, they take one movement, whereas the smaller guys take two movements, um. and then we just kind of house ruled it a bit just to learn how to flick, and then the next time, I introduced more rules. So I said this time, oh, what are these? Well, I'm putting the pillars down this time. Oh, nice. And then, you know, just to kind of encourage him to get those fingers a-flicking. And then the next time after that, I might, because he's at that age where he's starting to read, and Catacombs is brilliant, it's got symbols on the cards, I'll introduce the symbol, the cards instead, and say, okay, now you've got these moves that you can have instead. You know, nice. and kind of do it that way, which is pretty, which is a pretty cool and pretty smart, smart way to do stuff. Um... How do you go from playing games to designing stuff then? I mean, what's your kind of your journey been from then? Well, I did I did an illustration degree and then went into uh, the sign making industry. So that was to kind of mm. keep my hand in. I had uh, initially I had some traditional sign writing training with like hand printed gold leaf letters and things and. Wow. Yeah, learning the basics properly was like a really good foundation. Um, but then I went into a different company with digital design and I was like, haha, I've got an undo button now. I don't have to like <laughs> sweat it out that I'm going to paint this letter wrong by accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just make as many mistakes as you want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Why did you write? Why did you write arse on that board? Because the client's in arse. You know the client's in arse. I know the client's in arse. But at least I can undo it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, the kind of the 
the, the arse children's nursery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like you tell them, to the car. Like, you tell it to their face. This, this is going to read very badly. And they're like, oh, that's what we need. Oh man. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a choice, isn't it? To be yeah, of to course. Confer, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know about you, but the number of emails that I've written sometimes and never sent when I'm just like, dear bastard. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Deleted them. Well, I do it in the that. design process. I'm like, <laughs> I do the sign and then I've got like a saved sort of like clip art of like a, a fist giving the finger. Just like, right, <laughs> where can I hide this? Like, and then like, no, and then just take it off. Like, <laughs> but it's, it's not the bad people. Like, honestly, like it's just... It's the fiftieth the person that wants a rectangle with like no parking in the middle. I'm like, come on, like I could turn it into like a laser show. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just do anything for you. Tom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People will pay attention to a into, laser show. <laughs> you you oldie know vehicular um stoppage. <laughs> yeah. I did just I just put that just put that in because it does not not say no parking. But I was just looking, you know, it's an old pub. That you're running, I just thought I yeah, wanted yeah, to put yeah. a bit of flavour, bit of flavour in there rather than the no parking <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, Can you yeah, not yeah. have an imagination for once? You know, do you have to f- fulfil every regulation that's going on? Kind of, you know. Yeah, you know, you've got to start <laughs> so, with a flourish and then exactly. work backwards until they accept it. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, could you want me to do this for you? Yes. Have you got any other questions? Yes. Why did you send me an email saying, "Dear bastard"? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Just what are these things? Think it and move on. So you're in, um, yeah. So but you're um, doing the. Um, oh yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I did the signage. Um, yeah, and that was I kind of had this tragic story where like I get these dream jobs and then uh, oh you could animate for us all these like crazy uh, presentations using Flash. And I was like, oh, I'll take that job. I did a, a big animation show for Christie's selling one of these cars that was like. 12 million pounds that someone had found in Russia in a barn and um oh. but then then the boss is like I'm sorry we're outsourcing to India like we're we're a database company and they've got the the backing for that and I was like oh man what a dream job gone so in the end I just had to start my own little sort of sign writing business mm-hmm. um electric cupcake design check that out <laughs> that's just are they are they electric? Do you well, make cupcakes? I mean, well, can you make cupcakes? It started I mean, off can as can you bake? I I can bake. Well, my my partner can bake and I can decorate. We do a lot of cakes for people actually. Um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but we do. It's weird. Like it's I started off as cupcake because I thought it was just I'm just going to take it like a I'm just going to take like a um, any kind of name at all because I can't find any other things. And what's in at the moment? Well, cupcakes are in at the moment. Well, let's just call ourselves the electric. Cupcake design company. You, that you've fantastic. got it. You, like that's exactly it. Make cupcakes. It was when England <laughs> was transitioning from buns to cupcakes, and I was like, everyone knows that word, and it's new, it's hip. Come on! And then I started with cupcake design, and my logo was a cupcake, and I was like, people might get the wrong idea. And after the third request for baking, and I was like, okay, so I added electric and made it a light bulb with a cupcake filament and. Then they were like, "Oh, I, we we kind of get it now. Good, yes." <laughs> <laughs> here's 
<laughs> just as a quick aside, I've done just because I'm reminded of this. Leave me be. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember um, Gangnam Style? Oh yeah, my kids love yeah. dancing to that song. Like yeah, well, well, there was a guy at my. Um, there's a guy I know, and um, he was young. He was impressionable. He was a lot of fun. Yeah. However, one day he decides to go out. And get a Gangnam style tattoo. Oh god! Done. <laughs> so right. it's the it's the actual guy from Gangnam Style. Oh, sorry. In a semi dance, yeah. Oh god! From a, in a in a kind of a dancing pose, a cartoony type of guy. He's got that tattooed on him. Oh no. Gangnam Style. I mean, if it did six months, you'd be lucky. Yeah. Really. You would have got you would have got more time for shoplifting. To be perfectly <laughs> honest. But he's now got that kind of constant reminder on him. So in 30 years' time, no matter what he's going to do, right, if he goes off to the beach or whatever, if he gets into a conversation and somebody says, oh, I like your tattoos, he's going to have to give an entire story, potentially showing the YouTube video, potentially going through all this explanation as to why he has a Gangnam-style tattoo on his chest. Well, kids... there was once this man that did a funny dance. <laughs> and he, he followed it up with a rubbish song that never <laughs> went anywhere. He had that difficult second album type, except it was difficult. Second album? Second, oh, my God. Sing, second single. Okay, that's bad kind of thing going on, do you know? Um, <sighs> so, the Electric Cupcake, Cupcake Design uh, Yeah. Company. So, I was working for myself doing signs for people and, like, trying to help the funny thing was like i was trying to help out startup businesses as much as i could like loads of friends mm-hmm. started things and um and then i got into like world of warcraft for a bit and then the kids came along and i got out of that <laughs> um <laughs> but then i kind of revisited it with uh there was a card game world of warcraft card game with all the little yeah scratching yeah. codes for your secret things in the game um and then that evolved into like Hearthstone. Um, and then that was where I met, uh, my friend Dan, who's the co-developer on Masters of Get Town. Um, we were just playing one day and had oh, just an epic battle. And I was like, add friend. And he was like, add friend. And then we just started chatting <laughs> like, whoa, good game, man. Um, and then from there we like, I yeah, became good friends, played a lot, um, chatted about our lives. He's he was from Hungary and currently living in Ireland, and I was like, oh, just enthralled by the travel and like his Hungarian accent. And, like this guy's cool. Like, um, and then he told me about this old role play game that he'd made up set in Get Town, and it was uh, like a sci-fi shooting game. It was like D and D rules, but with like dear hundreds for like high accuracy and loads of weapons and things i was like wow "Wow, that sounds cool man like i tried to play uh (laughs) you ever played gurps i think it was called it was like a it it was like a role play system that was a sci-fi one um tried playing that once and um i was like the sci-fi i don't know you just see it in movies but having it as a game as a role play thing you have to invent so much more for yourself in your head because with fantasy, you've seen so many films um, 
whereas sci-fi is very kind of location specific. You're on you're on a desert、mm-hmm. planet, so you've got to think totally differently to if you're like in a a bustling sort of Blade Runner style dark oppressive city or Fifth Element place with flying cars. Like, so、um, I was enthralled. And then one day he's like, "I'm I'm dabbling with a with an idea for a game in in like、yeah. a real board game,、um, and it was based on like you know the dead man's dice in yeah yeah it's based on that, but it was the sort of what would they play in Get Town, and so he sent he sent me a link to this YouTube video,、um, and I watched it and it was like a looked like an octagon made out of a cornflake box." But these dice were going in and hitting, and like it was like I don't know. It seemed like some sort of street gambling game because there was these like three or four Hungarians. I didn't understand the language, and they were like oh, throwing dice and they were hitting each other. I was like, wow, what's this? <laughs> and then slowly he explains like what the dice mean and what people are doing, and I'm like, oh my god, that's like that's a real good good start for something amazing. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long was it before? I mean, you had. Did you then kind of assemble the ideas? Did you sit down and think about it? Did you go straight to kind of like, I've got to get something made? Are you the type of person that was like, well, if I'm going to have an idea, let me get something tangible, kind of in my hands, and kind of get ready to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I like being in the sign trade. I knew of kind of. I mean, like, I didn't even research it. I just knew that.、Um, The signboards that we use are kind of foam core boards,、um, and there were like other elements.、Uh, I knew a guy with a laser cutting acrylic place, so we started off with an idea that why don't you just take the lid off the box and then put the base in the lid and play in that. And so I tested that. I put like a, a shoe box. Just started with that,、mm-hmm. throwing dice in, and if you throwed with any sort of power. It's like a pinball game. Like you hit it too hard, the whole thing, all the dice flip over. So、yeah. the in, the integrity of the board state is lost. So from there, I was like, okay. So I switched to the foam board, which it it sort of glitched out less. But then from that、yeah. first dice throw, you've dented the board, and then、oh, a、yeah. lot of the times、yeah. when you're playing, dice will spin around on their corner a lot and like give you a moving target, but. I didn't、mm-hmm. want to think that the first throw of the game meant that that second throw would be wonky. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.、Um, <coughs> so I prototyped and prototyped until I got to、um, acrylic, and then I ha- I found a material that you could throw as hard as you want at it, and it wouldn't be damaged,、um, and. At the right thickness, with the right sort of arena setup and the weight of the walls, like interlocking with it, like it holds it down to the point where you can throw pretty damn hard now, and nothing's going to happen to the rest of it, which is what we were hoping for. It took like two and a bit years to perfect, and this wasn't like this was like do a stage, test it a lot, do a stage, test it a lot. It wasn't like upgrade every day.、Um, Did the final mechanics kind of change quite a bit? Because it sounds like you had the kind of the idea there, and you had what you were thinking about what you wanted to do. But it was strangely enough the execution and the materials that kind of took the time. Because normally, I mean, 
look at it this way from a Kickstarter point of view, the quality of the materials used is usually a stretch goal. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm moving up from, you know, if I'm using up to a linen finished card, that's not usually something which affects the gameplay. You know, effectively, I could be playing the game using sheets of A4 paper. That's not actually going to have an effect on the gameplay. It's just, you know, linen finished cards are nicer. Yeah, Thicker of course. Paper is nicer. Whereas for you, the actual components are almost like they're such a key component of, you know, a key part of how the game kind of actually plays, which is kind of a, an unusual way. Was there, is, I mean, is there other games kind of out there? Because my issue with dice games, yeah, and especially roll and then kind of, not rolling, you know, roll, rolling kind of action yeah, or roll dice as a resource is the dice never do anything. Yeah. They get rolled once. You know, no matter how many games you play, there's obviously there's um, there's like Steampunk Rally, where at the beginning of a round you roll a pile of dice, and then you get the chance to spin down or spin up the dice depending on certain actions. You even get like say one of my favourite games ever, Ashes Rise of the Phoenixborn, yeah. where at the beginning of the round you roll a bunch of dice. And then you've got the ability again to maybe manipulate the sides of the dice, so you've got the the faces changing, yeah. And then you can take actions from there. Okay. But your game is completely different in that the manipulation of the dice happens or can potentially happen constantly, and a winning game can change from player to player within a matter of a couple of throws. Exactly, yeah. As opposed to there's always a chance that the game can change. I mean, was that one of the fundamental concepts that you said, right, this has to stay, no matter what else we chuck out of the game, this has to stay? Was that one of the things that you decided needed to be there from the, no matter what happened? Yeah, see, that was the thing that Dan had had. Like, he showed me full contact dice. Like, he shattered the glass in my brain and I was like, why did it, why has no one ever thought of dice hitting dice? Like this is, especially in a combat scenario where like the dice are the focus. I mean, mm-hmm. you think of it this way. If, if dice were sentient, then mm-hmm. most of the board dice in most of the board games would be bored out of their mind. Like, but in our game, they may suffer a few like bumps and bruises, but they're going to have the most exciting life imaginable. Like, if if you get the metaphor, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very it's a very good and very strong metaphor, John. It's a definite, um, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, you were saying, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so Dan had this full contact mechanic, and um, I said, okay, like I'm a sort of a designer. My dream was always to be like an art director or something. Like, let me help you build a game that supports this mechanic and makes it the focus, makes dice the focus. Like, So, like, people are staring at the dice when they're spinning in the arena because they've become the excitement. It's not like... It, it's it's basically boils down to attack versus defense. It's damage. That's the universal thing. But in many other games, you roll, you roll, you do some math. Oh, that was combat. Like, when realistically, with ours, like, oh my god, he's got a six. But he's geographically right next to the sort of effect area called the pit where if i can knock mm-hmm. him in there 
I don't even have to change his six. I can just slide it across and it gets removed from the arena. So the mitigation comes from being able to hit their dice, your own dice, or geographically like moving them around the arena base to guarantee things. Oh, he's got a six. If I flip it into the gravity flipper, like slide it across and at the end of the round, this is an area that will flip all dice to the other side then I don't even have to just hit a six yeah. and hope it goes lower. I know it will flip to a one. Was that kind of... Did the mechanics then, and the interactions, and the effects, did they kind of invent themselves sometimes? Dan told me um, about the characters that he'd populated the world with, some of the lore, and I was like, oh, really interesting. Okay, so... We took the names and I took a bit of liberty with the art and just kind of developed from that name my idea of like someone who'd be in this sort of tournament. But um, so those crazy doctors with like blood soaked things. But what I've done is I've kept the card art as just silhouettes because um, like Shiguru Miyamoto was one of my favorite art directors. Like he did like Nintendo's Super Mario and Zelda's yeah. legendary. But yeah, 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 yeah. The way that he did The Legend of Zelda by never giving Link a voice, you're the one that reads what Link says so that and chooses what he says so that you are Link, you embody him. So as much as my like approach of card art is a silhouette of someone with some elements of their character or a weapon or something, like it invites people to step into that role rather than showing them who they have to be. If you... No, I mean that makes yeah, that makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. You're allowed to. Did, I mean, did, did you encourage that? Have you encouraged kind of like the? I guess the is it? You mentioned obviously you've obviously thought about the the dice themselves being characters. Mm. Is that kind of like one of the things you kind of worked on is to kind of give characterization to the individual dice themselves through it be the kind of the lore or well the the way it works is like you you start by you um either pick a character or you get randomly chosen a character and that is who you will be entering the arena as so you kind of step into their shoes you pick a colored Mm -hmm. set of dice so it's clear who's what character and um but the dice do have their own unique qualities because we've gone for uh, a smaller dice and two larger dice so 14 and 16 millimeters so Mm -hmm. Visually, you can see which one is which. Uh, the smaller dice is the one that's got the effect symbol on it. So because it offers the most potential powerful results by changing it, it's a smaller target. And the, yeah. the finesse of it comes basically from like the, your choice of shots and your kind of like mapping out of what's going where. Like in your head, you're drawing that imaginary like line when you're playing digital pool. It's like, oh, it's going to yes. bounce off this wall and that wall. And, okay. And then you try those crazy shots, and sometimes they work. Do you end up with dice stacking on top of each other? We do. Like, I've posted that a couple of times. Like, I was gutted, though, when my friend Simon pulled that off. Because, like, I'd done it twice, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm the only one. I'm the master of Get Town. And then he's like, watch this. I've got three dice involved. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... The way it developed from uh, that first video was it was we had the full contact mechanic, we had the arena. So over time, I just prototyped it to the point where that mechanic was infallible almost. Um, but besides that, 
we started off with six characters. We took it to my mm-hmm. friend's uh, Finney's Game Shop, which had developed by now and got quite a, quite a good crowd. So we had loads of testers there. And I showed them and it was like, you get one ability per game. And they were like, okay, so I've won the game. I've lost the game. I've used the ability. What do I do next? And like... I learned through their kind of reactions what to do next because realistically I was an outsider to the whole modern board games thing for quite a while. Um, we weren't necessarily designing the vacuum because we did the research at the start for looking for full contact dice games and making sure that we weren't copying someone's idea and stepping on someone's toes. But yeah. in the absence of like constantly seeing who was doing what, I think we were able to come up with our own take on the development process. And me and Dan had long nights about like, does this seem right? But then using our gut instincts, we like really came up with, I don't know what we feel is like a really good approach to it all. Um, yeah. Do you, I mean, when you're doing something which is unique, is it difficult to not sit there and go, is this unique because other people have tried it and it's ended up being rubbish? I mean, have you had to kind of be kind of confident in what you have been kind of producing? And and I guess the most important thing is, is it, what's the playtest reaction been like? Because I can't, I can't imagine seeing all the games that have been out on Kickstarter and I've seen like hundreds Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've seen a game like yours, honestly, that's involved kind of full contact kind of dice. Yeah. So was the playtesting a bit of a kind of, it was a strange way to kind of approach things? Well, that's the thing. Like, I, <laughs> apart from, like, we didn't have a lot of board games between me and my friends groups. So we just had the old classics, but we played a lot of video games. So I knew they'd enjoy playing games and they were open to new things. So I literally mm-hmm. just started inviting my friends around and took on... They started off as perfect um, perfect people to test as like a fresh face. Fresh face to board games in general. And mm-hmm. like having played the game before and felt myself that it was something I'd enjoy playing. And like, obviously, Christ, three years later, like, where I'm still overjoyed at being able to keep playing it with my friends. But... um but yeah, so these people picked it up and they all had their own, have developed their own reasons for going for different people. And a lot of it was like political or social. Like, you didn't do the dishes last night. Smash. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it was good. But then the more they've kind of come on and developed, like I've brought on more people to the group, which are still those fresh faces. Should I need that for something I'm testing? But yeah. I've developed, these people have developed with me and the game. So now they're able to offer really good constructive suggestions for like a weapon mechanic or some sort of interaction or a way to solve something that me and Dan are puzzling over. Um, and they've become a really good team. I mean, like one day I might even pay them. <laughs> 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 one day. Was it, um, did you always have the idea to do kind of like Kickstarter? I mean, was that was that always going to be the end goal, or was it kind of like, well, we can put kind of stuff together and see if it's just something that we enjoy? <sighs> I at the beginning, I think we we searched for like 
uh, we had heard of Kickstarter. I'd like, I was searching for espresso makers one day and this thing came up. It was like, here's a, an espresso shot device you just put in the microwave and it'll make you a perfect shot. And I was like, I could take mm-hmm. that on holiday. That'd be amazing. Um, mm-hmm. so I went to the site and I was like, Kickstarter, we're where all the new inventions come out and you can pay for them in advance. And then I realized like, okay, so there's a place where people who have great ambition and great ideas can actually like show the world and get funding before they have to place that order that they can never afford. It was a lifeline, man. Like that was that was the reason we continued. I think. I mean, it would have been nice, but I don't think I would have thrown so much money into getting all the way to an acrylic arena if I if there was no way to share it with loads of people at the end at the end of the process. I mean, that's quite. A, I mean, it is a financial. It is a massive kind of financial commitment because I'm just thinking of all the guys that have had on the show, which. They've had like a deck of cards, or they've had, um, you know, they've had a deck of cards and some dice, or they've had a board and a couple of counters and some dice. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, you occasionally get, you know, you get your your really bigger guys. I mean, as I say, we've had like your I keep going back to Frank West, but I mean, he obviously developed a monster of a game. Yeah. That he then kind of took to he then kind of took to took to Kickstarter. Um, but I mean, the commitment from you is already there before you've even pressed the kind of the Kickstarter button. I'm getting mm. the feeling you've obviously had to invest quite a lot of time. You don't just get bits of acrylic kind of yeah, sitting, yeah. <laughs> sitting around there, just waiting to you know kind of be made into stuff and produced into things. You know, it's yeah. kind of something that you have to kind of get kind of made kind of going forward. So, are you at the stage where um, I mean? <laughs> Is it, you hear all these stories or you see things on, on Kickstarter saying, you know, people have pretty much had to produce a fully working product before people will even consider looking at backing them, that there's no longer really the, I've got an amazing, di- uh, mm. I've got an amazing idea, um, let's just, um, I've got an amazing idea, will you give me money for it? <laughs> yeah. um, kind of thing. I don't think that kind of, that kind of, kind of happens. I mean, um, can it, there isn't there isn't a choice with yourself. I mean, you have to go to Kickstarter, or otherwise, quite simply, the game isn't going to exist. Yeah, I'm, again, back to the physics of the arena, because it's got to be acrylic to make it uh, have that integrity and not just be like, who throws hardest, flips all the dice and ruins the game. Like, I you don't want to have a the ability to table flip without table flipping. It's just, it's not on. Like... so i mean getting down to how how does a round kind of take place well so um everyone's got a character card and they've got dice which will be uh eventually slotting into like little slots on the character card representing their health um you all sit around the arena and um you have three combat dice you have a, a smaller ability dice that i mentioned which is the key mm-hmm. to like all the different abilities. And then you have two larger combat dice. So that gives you a bit more power to try and go for that first dice or change other people's. Um, and say, for instance, it's a, a six player game. So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, someone starts as the attacker and throws their ability dice into the arena. And then all the other now defending players throw one after another. And then based, like looking into the arena, the attacker then gets to choose his opponent based on like, oh, I've got a high number. That guy's got a one. Uh, that guy's got a two, but it's close to a dangerous area. So like, you, it's all visual. Like everything's open. You can always see what people have got and where they are. And, um, so then you choose, okay, I'll, I'll pick, I'll pick Joe over there. And, uh, so all, everyone else takes their dice out. Um, and then you guys kind of go heads up. Uh, and we designed it that way so that there isn't more than six dice in the arena once. Just, mm-hmm. just to keep it easy and to keep track. And so you're not throw, throwing at one dice and accidentally knocking others. Um, so yeah. So, um, you throw one of your large dice and they throw theirs, you throw yours and they throw theirs all the time trying to change the dice or move the dice to the most advantage, advantageous place for your scoring. Um, and then once all the dice are thrown, you add up all the scores of your dice. Um, there'll be areas where you've got bonuses or areas where your combat score gets reduced. So places you've got to avoid. And you calculate via that. But it's basically just addition and subtraction. So, like, we've not done any sort of, like, quantum equations. So you can read the rules on the board next to the area, know exactly what you're Mm -hmm. doing, and then you just do damage calculation. If if the attack's higher than the defense, you deal the damage. If the defense is higher, they're safe. Um, But the variance in the... The strategies and knowing what dice to go for is um, while you're in combat with someone, uh, if your ability dice is a six and theirs is knocked to a one, you either get to um, deal direct damage to them as like a critical hit, or mm-hmm. you can do uh, a counterattack depending on if you're attacking or defending. Cool. So not only are you like just trying to go for the numbers and get more than them, you have a way to significantly do damage to them throughout the throughout the turn if you get the right dice rolls and the right hits mm-hmm. um and then that's that's kind of the combat uh the character cards have uh, a little charge up bar on the bottom and they have like an upgradable ability and starting with your um ability dice in the arena it'll have an engraved lightning bolt symbol uh so while you're playing and throwing your dice at each other's if yours shows that symbol you get your unique character ability. So it could be uh, one of the assassins deals three damage to the player or players with the highest health. So everyone checks their life points, and it's a good way to keep tabs on who's where within the sort of the health situation in the competition. Um, and then we've got other things which are like, we call them real-world debuffs. So uh, one of the characters yeah. is a witch. And if she sees her lightning bolt symbol, I mean, there's a, there's a whole guild of witches and they're amazing. Um, but they, they concentrate around blinding people. So all when right. she sees a symbol, all the other players now like have to throw with their hands over their eyes. You're, it, and, like, it's not spin around twice at a party sort of inaccurate. So yeah. you can still aim and then cover your eyes. But, um, yeah. that become, that became a really popular mechanic when we started. Um, and then it goes all the way up to, um, there's a bouncer character that makes people throw wrist locked, where he locks your wrist to the table. So you got wow. to think, 
the walls are like a hundred millimeters high. So unless yeah. you've got really big hands, you're gonna to have to find some sort of way of arcing it over or <laughs> And it's it's good. Like it literally the difficulty comes from the making it harder to do those crazy shots. Um and we've got the the playtest favourite at the moment is the the sniper. So the way you play with him is you take two steps away from the table and you actually throw your dice from that distance and you lose accuracy because you're further away but you gain a guaranteed like attack or defense bonus every turn so you've got people doing all sorts of things um and then like i'll play the the bouncer so oh you're sniping are you well you're wrist locked so you can't take a step away from the (laughs) table (laughs) oh god they hate that they hate that (laughs) That sounds like it's also going to be easy to kind of create kind of expansions for and different character sets and kind of move sets and and things like that kind of going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that that was one of the things that we always thought about. Like we had a, a vision of the future because when we started coming up with characters, we had, I don't know, maybe a hundred different ideas and we were like, you can't have that many in a game. Um, so we're like, okay, we'll have expansions. But as we've kind of gone on and done our research about like what designers should do when making a game and then followed those sort of steps, then we've realized that the expansions don't even have to be the same game. I mean, obviously the full contact dice will always be a part of this series, but uh, our plan for the first expansion is going to be a a legacy co-op all combat RPG. What do you think really? about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, because the the story behind it is whoever wins the tournament of the ma- and becomes the master of Get Town gets to rule right. the, rules the city for one year. And when you're in that position of power and you've got all those resources, the expansion then shows the journey of how you pick a team of people. And you go out into the wastelands across this planet and you discover all these creatures and you look for like past masters of the arena to try and defeat them and like learn more skills or you find these legendary weapons so that next year you can win again and you can sustain this lifestyle by doing all these things. Um, and that will be like, I've, I just, I've fallen in love with acrylic. So I've got so many ideas for like an acrylic map with like hex hexagons cut out and you you reach into a bag and you pull out these different hexagons oh this is a this is a mini boss or this is like this is the <laughs> sand level and you slot it in you j- make a journey to where that boss is <laughs> just like uh it's like the maps in zelda there's the boss yeah. you know where he is how you're gonna get and there the, and there's the link <laughs> exactly yeah and like my son's called link as well like it's oh it's destiny <laughs> there you go um, have you thought about a price for the Kickstarter? You must have, obviously, because it's fastly approaching. But I mean, this sounds—it sounds a lot of fun. It also sounds, with the acrylic involved, that it could be kind of expensive to actually mass produce this. So, I mean, what are you looking at? If you were, you know, when you're launching the Kickstarter, what's going to going to be that? I guess not the. The get down price, but the get in price. Well, we've <laughs> <laughs> we used 
We use the, um, you know, the whole, oh, you take your manufacturing costs and you times it by five and that's your retail cost. And, yeah. and then we kind of ripped up that piece of paper and we were like, okay, so how much less can we sell it on Kickstarter for? <laughs> and, um, we're hoping to do it for um, 60 pounds, no more than that for the, for the game mm-hmm. itself. And like along with the acrylic arena, we've, kind of taken some steps towards like better quality already i mean yeah we were thinking of having uh flat cardboard characters as just cut out card as the base product and then mm-hmm. i'm not a fan of like you put your little your little eight millimeter cubes in a certain place and oh the dice bounced out and it's knocked him across the floor so like <laughs> for the infinitesimal increase in price that we found from our supplier to go to punch card with holes in place to stop that happening we were like the game just it's just so much more enjoyable not having to worry about those little things right off right from the back you know and when i mean when's the launch date when when are we going to be seeing this out there Uh, um well our plan is the third week in october so yep uh, we've got five copies out, and they're going to previewers now, and um, we'll be receiving those in. And as soon as we get the last one we need in, like we'll be going full steam. Um, Got an email out to uh, all of our wonderful people on the email list, and um, mm-hmm. do the usual things. But what I must say is, like our research while we were developing the game, I like I personally didn't look at other games for inspiration as much as I looked at the advice that previewers and reviewers were like offering in terms of what they'd seen and what they'd like so Mm. we've kind of like reverse engineered the process from people's expectations and tried to keep those in mind so we may have like overdeveloped it for Kickstarter you know what I mean like it's just yeah but then if it if it makes it better for the player and makes it more enjoyable and gives them less to worry about, um, then we'll be happy. It'll be a win win. Yeah. An absolute win win. Um I wish you the best of luck with the campaign. Thank you. Sam. Um because um we as I say, we've been kinda talking back and forward and um it's been it's been an awful lot of good fun getting to know more about yourself um, and I hope people listening listen past my nonsense about 1980s game uh, board game nostalgia and actually focusing on um, looking up um, you know looking up the game when it comes to Kickstarter <laughs> if people have listened along tonight and they want to find you on the interweb nets where can we find you on the interweb nets well, we've got the the website, which is earthtogames.co.uk. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got a, a Facebook page with a little community where that Dan runs. Because uh, when we hit social media, it was like, we need to be in a million places at once. So I was like, you, you do <laughs> Facebook. I'll do Twitter. I'm sure they'll be nice. And uh, <laughs> um, at Twitter, we've got um, at earthtogames. So earth underscore two T-O underscore games. And that's... Okay where I'll be posting all the pictures and things and I'll be getting back on Instagram before the launch. Um, yeah, and that's it. Like, 
Google us, look for pictures. Uh, we've got a hashtag of full contact dice on Twitter to check out. That's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, of course, we will make sure that we put all the links in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, if you want to keep an eye on where what we're up to, go to... Well, just search We're Not Wizards and you'll find us. You'll find us on Twitter, you'll find us on Facebook, you'll find us on Instagram, you'll find us on Tumblr, you'll find us on YouTube, you'll find us on all the various podcast catchers like Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and Player FM and you'll also find us on Apple Podcasts as well. And as we say, if you like what you've listened to tonight, well, don't like me, but like John, because he's, he's a really nice guy. Um... Go into Apple Podcasts and consider giving us a subscription. If you like us even more than that, then give us a rating or a review. If you are going to give us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. And, you know, I'm already pretty big-headed. But don't give us one because it makes us cry. And I cry like Dawson in Dawson's Creek when Dawson cried (laughs) in Dawson's Creek. (laughs) Give us something in the middle like a five because it's average and we are decidedly average i gave him a but five person, like he's he did. he was worth a five i suppose <laughs> but the person who's not been average tonight is a rather wonderful the rather magnificent the rather fantastic mr john bryant from earth to games Thank you again, sir, for coming on. Thank you very much. Best of luck with the game when it goes to Kickstarter. And there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, John? Not particularly, no. Not particularly, we'll do. (laughs) And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from John. Say goodbye, John. Goodbye, John. Uh, Jeez. <laughs> and the second thing is, is a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes dot com, and um, <laughs> don't just don't just get down. Get down to get down, so you can get down. When you get down, you get some dice down, so you don't get down, but you get up when you get down. And anyway, <laughs> get up. <laughs> you get your turn, and then you'll be the crown of get down. But until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.